UCLA might be getting some pushback on their move to the Big Ten. Nothing huge to report, but something worth discussing at this point in time. And remember when the transfer portal was big in the news and then realignment kind of swallowed it up? Transfer portal, in a sense, in a new sense, might be making a little bit of a comeback. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play by play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with all things related to the Conference of Champions, which is why you should like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. I appreciate the hundreds of you out there who have already done so on podcasts and on YouTube. The numbers are looking great. Best month ever so far here in the month of July and uh, plenty of people interested with conference realignment that's helping but all of you are making that happen so thank you today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts in hosting this show and this time of year trying to do a daily podcast not doing every day but once we get back in season it'll be you know back to five days a week maybe taking one day off per month uh but sometimes i have to think about you know what to discuss. And sometimes I write segments out. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. And then the news changes and we just move in a different direction. That's kind of what happened here. I had half an idea of what to talk about in today's show. But a, a couple pieces of news that I think are worth going going over in a, uh, in a significant way here. And the, the first one is about UCLA. And so UCLA, there's a headline uh, recently from Front Office Sports, which is a verified account on Twitter. Like, I've followed them for a while. They're not making this stuff up, and they've got links to actual stories and whatnot. Uh, That says the state of California might try to keep keep UCLA from leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten. Now, the reason... That, that this is possible and why you're now, if you follow the news closely or if you're listening to the show, because I'm following the news closely, are seeing uh, Gavin Newsom's name tied to UCLA is that he has come out with a statement that is not full on condemning what UCLA did, but is sort of loosely expressing disagreement and saying like when you make a move like this as a part of the UC system you need to let us know why this is happening and why this is the best thing for your student athletes and that sort of stuff is a little bit tough to answer when the move as I discussed when the news first broke is all about the dollar figure so according to front office sports Uh, The state of California may try to keep UCLA in the Pac-12. I'm going to emphasize this in a big way because I'm not trying to provide clickbait out here. This is something worthy of discussion because it is a legitimate option being reported by people. However, these plans have not at this point in time, as I record this on Thursday afternoon, moved along. And it does not appear there's, you know, a looming imminent threat or there's a 70% chance UCLA won't be able to leave. That's not happening. However... This is still worth following because of who is involved. 
According to Front Office Sports, the state of California may try to keep UCLA in the Pac-12. The school plans to leave the Big Ten in 2024, along with longtime rival USC, but didn't provide advance notice to the University of California Board of Regents, which governs the University of California school system. This is separate from USC. The UC Board of Regents, which is chaired by California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, Uh, said that the state is looking into legal action related to UCLA's departure. The reason they can do that is because the Board of Regents is like the board of a company, right? You have the CEO and the CFO are kind of the top dog at a big Fortune 500 company, but they have to report to somebody. Who do they report to? They report to the board, and that's kind of how universities are set up. For those of you who don't know, is the Board of Regents for these big public universities have a lot of control and influence over what happens. Now, I've also read several pieces that say UCLA didn't need formal approval from the Board of Regents to go. And I also read another piece, I believe it was on SI, saying that they had some kind of informal approval from certain members of the Board of Regents to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten. But Newsom said the state was investigating potential actions it could take within, quote, minutes of reading about UCLA leaving for the Big Ten in the newspaper. The Board of Regents plans to discuss uh, plans to meet to discuss potential litigation and the possibility the board itself could be the subject of legal action due to UCLA's departure. This piece was on July 18th. I'm recording this on the 21st, so this was uh, just within the last several days. I waited to bring it up here on the show because I saw you know, some people hinting at it or it was kind of a rumor here and there. But when front office reported it, and then I, I think John Canzano, formerly of the Oregonian, uh, tweeted something out about it. I said, okay, th- there's clearly something here. Again, it doesn't appear that this is you know, imminent, that it's right around the corner, that a week from now they could be you know, announcing that UCLA has been blocked from leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. But I just bring this up to say this is worthy of, of keeping your eye on here. Because when you've got politicians involved everything can get way more complicated and i guarantee you that they maybe didn't notify the board of regents ucla that is that they were leaving because some people on that committee might not have liked that a school that's been a part of the pac conference since the 20th century would consider departing and remember the uc system has a number of schools in it right because there's uh, ucla of course university of california los angeles Cal is actually a part of it. Some people might forget that because we don't refer to them as UC something, but they are UC Berkeley. But then there's UC Davis. There's UC Santa Barbara as well. It's a whole network of schools within the state of California that have, you know, arrangements and agreements with regards to athletics and academic cooperation and and competition as well on the sports field. And so they don't want to lose UCLA, understandably, because it's the biggest and most prominent of all the UC schools. And it's kind of your athletics flagship for the UC school system as a whole. Whether or not they're going to be able to, I'm going to leave that up to the lawyers. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a law degree. I'm not currently talking to a lawyer. If any of you are lawyers out there, you can feel free to opine. But this is all going to be legal jargon. I'm going to wait until uh, it gets simplified down into um, college law for dummies, basically, so that I can just read and then opine about what happens next, as is our usual arrangement here on the show. But 
there could be some implications for for what might happen here uh, with regards to other schools, but the, there's one school in particular that that is kind of driving this in a sense, not directly. I don't think it's coming directly from the school, but that's UC Berkeley because uh, Cal, the partnership there between UCLA and UC Berkeley is, I think, more entrenched than you know with, with other Pac-12 institutions from UCLA's perspective. That is my understanding from having read about the situation in the in the past few days. And so that's a school that could be impacted the most because they're both part of uh, the UC system. If you want to be part of a successful betting system you set up on your own time, you should go to Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball. Go Mariners, by the way. I've just I've been doing that the entire time. I've been hosting the show and I see Major League Baseball on there. The M's, my beloved team in Seattle, 14 straight. But you can get the NFL, the NBA, NHL, and combat sports, esports, even golf on there, my personal favorite. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening. Bet Online is where the game starts. Uh, so I, I just I find this whole thing to be. Really fascinating. I think if you're UCLA and the people who wanted to make this move happen, the athletic director and administrators, I'm sure some fans are probably happy about it. The last person, the, the last singular person who you wanted to have pushing back on your move to the Big Ten where there's going to be a lot more money available is Gavin Newsom. And yet it appears... He's at the very least poking around or exploring options with regards to what they could do there. Now, this move to the Big Ten is involving UCLA and USC. And another important distinction here is, and again, this is very early in the process. I'm not hypothetically saying that I'm not saying this is you know likely to happen or anything of the sport of the sort. I am reporting the news, and I am opining on the news as it is coming in. If in a week it's, it comes back that, nope, UCLA is going to be fine, then I will report that as well. So the, the thing to consider here, in addition to UCLA, is USC, because this is not affecting USC at all. USC, of course, stands for the University of Southern California. That is not a part of the UC system. They are a private school, meaning USC can do whatever they damn well please. So whether or not UCLA has this move blocked, which I don't think is likely, but again, I don't I don't really know. <laughs> I don't it did, this was not in the in the headlines or anywhere a week ago, so it's clearly more likely now than it was then. But USC is not going to to be stopped, and I don't think that they would you know, feel some sort of affinity to their crosstown rival if UCLA has the worst come to pass for them and they're not allowed to to leave the Pac-12 conference. USC would say, well, sorry you're a part of that system and that Gavin Newsom decided to get involved with the UC Board of Regents and they didn't let you. USC would say, sorry, but also see you later. We're going to the Big Ten. There's no reason, I mean, USC would rather have UCLA come because they want to have the entire LA TV market, right, coming to their conference. That's the whole appeal of of the move. But if UCLA were told that they're not allowed to, 
then USC is still is still going to go because I, I don't think that that's you know something that's going to make them say oh well maybe we don't want to go to the Big Ten like no there's still more money in the Big Ten it's still a stronger overall uh, football conference to compete in than uh, than the Pac-12 um, but we're going to be following the law here just just a little bit on the show and see what uh, what the legal ramifications could be there uh, with regards to the Board of Regents but that's um, it's fascinating. It just it just is the gift that keeps on giving in one sense. Now, it could be disastrous in another if the Pac-12 ceases to exist in a couple of years for me because I'd have to find another show to host because I like doing two shows. But um, on the flip side, every time you go down one avenue of talking about this sort of stuff, like I, I'm not tired of it at all. I find this all to be fascinating. Every time you go down and explore one potential scenario, it makes you think of like three more, and then it's 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 fascinating. I find it to be really really interesting. I had someone uh, send me a message the other day about, hey, like I want to ask a question about realignment, but you know I know you're probably tired of it by now. No, I, I'm not. Ask me all the questions that you want. I'm totally totally here for it. Let's move to a uh, big piece of news number two today, and that's the transfer portal. Now. The uh, the transfer portal. Let me pull up. Uh, uh, let, let me pull up the piece here because there there's some important uh, snippets there. But uh, apparently, the NCAA Division One Council announced on a Wednesday. That was uh, July 20th, so two days prior to when this episode is, is dropping. Uh, the NCAA Division I Council endorsed a number of proposals that could alter how the transfer portal operates. Under the new proposals, athletes would be allowed to transfer more than once without sitting out a year. However, they could only do so within two separate windows, one at the end of the season and one in the spring. Those are the big takeaways. You can go read uh, about the, the rest of it, but essentially those are the big components here with regards to this headline. And again, really want to emphasize this. It's very, very important before you go tweeting or texting your friends or anything of sorts. They have endorsed the idea. This is not an official rule. Those are very, very different things. It has to go through other committees and a formal approval process before it becomes a real on the books NCAA bylaw that, that takes effect and uh, you know has an impact on how college athletics works. But We've seen these big changes within the transfer portal where you've got more kids in the portal than ever with a one-time freebie. But what this would do, if if it did come to fruition, would allow kids to transfer without having to set out a year more than once and getting rid of you know what they referred to, what the NCA referred to in its official statement as the blanket rule uh, prohibiting multiple multiple transfers essentially. I think it would have an impact, certainly. And basically what you would have then is free agency, but even more, like you kind of already have that, but this would literally be nonstop free agency. And some people might say, well, it's just the continuing professionalization of sports if this came to pass. Yes and no. The difference is that in professional sports, you can trade a player, and a player cannot just leave essentially without penalty any time that he pleases. Now, the, the other side of this rule I want to talk about for a sec, um, I think is actually a good thing. 
or it, w- it would be, would be a good thing. This is still all uh, in the early stages, hasn't hasn't officially been passed yet. But the other side of it, I think, would be good, saying, look, if you're going to transfer, you're allowed to do that. And I think kids should have the freedom to do that, though not quite as high on unlimited transfers and whatnot, but that's a little bit of a different conversation. But what they're what they're also saying in this rule, the other part of it is you can only do it during these certain windows in the year, and that I think is a good idea. I, I'm not a fan of guys transferring away from their schools in the middle of the year, and, and when people talk about empowering players and giving them the freedom and ability to do this, one thing that's often brought up in those conversations is, well, coaches can do this. You know, coaches get paid a bunch of money, so kids should be able to be paid a bunch of money. Kids and coaches are two different people. Like, I'm not going to treat them the exact same because because they're in different positions. And what I see as being best for the overall sport is, is is not going to broadly apply to two completely different groups of people there. So with regards to leaving whenever you want, coaches leave before bowl games, sure. But do coaches leave in the middle of the season? Not that I can remember. Before bowl game, yep, happens all the time because the NCAA introduced the early signing period, so you have to get out of your school. Like, I think they should do away with that. I think you should just have the one signing day, and uh, look, it helps you generate some recruiting headlines during December. Okay, but do you really need that? I mean, I mean, it's December. Football is dominant at that point in time, other than uh, the NBA on Christmas Day, right? Everything else is football, and basketball doesn't take over until you know uh, February when the end of college basketball, college basketball's regular season starts to build the anticipation for conference tournaments and then March Madness and such. So, I, I just don't see it as being super needed, and so I, I would like to see them go to just one conference signing day, the, the national signing day in, in February. But bringing it back to the the transfer portal here, coaches leave before bowl games, but they don't leave typically in the middle of a season. And and I I don't like the idea of players doing that either. And and the reason that this is not just, you know, the continuing professionalization of sports in a sense is because in the middle of a season at the professional level, Right, the the way you still have a distinction here between the college and the pro game is that in the middle of a season, sometimes guys get cut, but that's not really a thing unless they're off the field issues and someone is dismissed from a program. You don't really have that happening in college football, and I don't want to see that happen. And so I, I just the idea of leaving in the middle of a season and and bailing on your teammates at that point in time, no matter what sort of player you are, I, I don't like that. So bringing up the two windows and saying there's a time, you know, right after uh, the, the the two windows that they're looking at for allowing players to, to transfer are right after the season and then during the spring. And those are the windows where you can enter the transfer portal, explore your options, decide what you want to do. I don't think that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I think that's actually a pretty good idea so that you don't have guys, you know, saying like, oh, I'm going to transfer away from this program in the middle of the season. I think that takes away a potential opportunity that might come about that they can't foresee at that point in time. And just the overall camaraderie that, that exists in college football, I just I, I don't like transfers in the middle of the season. So I'd be OK with that. However. Unlimited transfers make, basically makes every player a constant unrestricted free agent. 
which is how it's very different from from the NFL. Like you don't trade players, right? You can't. Tra- you're not going to call. Uh, you know, Washington State's not going to call UCLA and say, "Hey, we have this guy who wants to hit the portal. Do you want to send us somebody in, in the portal?" Maybe a back alley conversation like that is happening, but I seriously doubt it, and I haven't really seen or heard of that until I just came up with it in my own head right now. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not a huge thing. But players just being able to leave as many times as they want, that'll make people pretty upset. I mean, there are a lot of people who are upset at the one-time freebie uh, transfer rule, and I understand that because college sports have always felt different than, than professional sports and it's about playing for your school and representing your team and and your family and the colors that, that you're wearing and the fans as well. Now it has a different feel. And if this rule came to fruition, I imagine a lot of people would be pretty upset and I, I wouldn't be able to blame them that much because you would then have even more movement. It's hard to envision more movement in the transfer portal but is it impossible to envision that? No, I, I don't think so. Like we have more players in the portal now than ever before because you can have a one-time free. If you had unlimited freebies, yeah, even more guys would be in the portal. I still think the one-time uh, exemption to, to transfer for free without having to sit out a year would have a bigger impact because it was a bigger change from uh, the previous way things have done, which is the only way you get to transfer and play immediately is if you're a, a grad transfer. But would it have an impact on college football? Yeah, it, it would because you would just kind of be exacerbating what we're already seeing, which is every year, you know, you bring in uh, a group of highly, highly talented recruits in a given recruiting cycle. And then some of them don't play as much as they want to. And they say, well, I can go find playing time over there. And they don't want to sit there and stick it out. And that's harder for fans to connect with. Like I, I see that disconnect entirely, right? Because one of the re- one of the advantages that, that college basketball has over the NBA right now is every single guy that steps onto the court on college basketball cares a lot. I mean, a lot, and, and the ratings reflect that, right? College basketball ratings for March Madness they they've been going up, and how could they not? It's an amazing event every year. Whereas in the NBA, you've got stars who don't want to play all the time. I mean, Ben Simmons is just not playing basketball. He's just not playing. How are you going to build a fan base around that? How are you going to get fans to buy in and follow your team and really, really care if you clearly don't care very much? I mean, sometimes stars show up on a given night and either decide that they're going to rest because they don't want to play and they want to rest. They, you know, they don't want to get injured or, or something like that. Or sometimes stars show up on a night and because it's a long season. They're like, eh, I'm just going to mail it in tonight. Like that, that happens all the time in the NBA. And so in college, it's going to be harder to get excited about recruits sometimes if you have in the back of your mind the very legitimate possibility of, well, if he doesn't play as much as he wants to, he's going to leave. And you have that now with the one-time transfer rule, right? That mindset is there, and I think it would make that worse. Looking at the teams in the Pac-12 and how it would affect the conference, I think you just get you know, the, the same sort of striation that you've seen in, in this most recent offseason. Where Colorado, who had a 4-2 2020 campaign, backed it up, uh, unfortunately, for the Buffs with a 4-8 2021 season, right? They were under 500, and they had a bunch of their best players transfer. Christian Gonzalez went to Oregon. They had uh, Blackman, the cornerback, go down to USC. Rice, the receiver, he went to USC. 
They had Jarek Broussard leave their program. He went to Michigan State. I mean, those are major losses. And I think if this rule comes into effect and it's been approved by the Division I Council, then you're going to ha- you're going to make it that much tougher. Is it a cataclysmic change? Not necessarily, but you're making it that much tougher for programs that don't have an elite history of winning to to build themselves up into something because guys are just going to so readily have the option available to go elsewhere to a program that is bigger, that's got, you know, maybe more NIL money or has got uh, a better history or a better chance to win right now, might give them a better chance to showcase their talents to go to the professional level. There, there are a bevy of factors there that I think play into why that would be a really tough rule f- for for some of the schools who, who are down as programs, right? I mean, it's already tough for Colorado. I think they're going to have a worse record than they did last year, not a better one. And when you have people leaving your program, it makes it really tough. It makes it tough when, when you're not a place that's going to be able to recruit consistently at a high level. Colorado, Cal, Stanford less so, but like Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona State right now, like that that's just not going to make it any easier. So I would like to see the transfer portal windows come in where here are the times where where you can enter the portal just so it you know kind of gives it some stability and it's not as random and teams and coaches and players aren't as blindsided by guys entering the portal like just just have it be a set a, a couple of set periods I'd be good with that but it's hard for me to get behind on unlimited transfers like that's I understand the argument in favor of it. But that doesn't mean I love the outcome as much. And uh, if fans were going to be upset about that, I, I would not be able to hold that against them. Appreciate everybody listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.